You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. We've made it once again, Taylor. <laughs> to the end? To the end of another movie club, another Tuesday. Made it to another, another another day during pandemic. Another pandemic day that both of us are clearly still functioning. Yeah. So that's something to celebrate. We don't celebrate anything these days. That's why I notice. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, and everyone's very critical of everyone else. And let's celebrate the fact that we made it. We did. We we watched a movie, and now and we're going to talk good. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's an accomplishment. Um, I was I was telling you just seconds before we started that this is one of those weeks that I'm really thankful for our fans because I don't have much to say about this movie. So I know it's like when you used to hand in a book report and you liked the book, but that was about it. You're and like, that was never good enough for the teacher. No. It was never good enough, and it was always like, well, then you didn't read the book. And it's like, what? I liked I don't have much to say. I either like it, or it's middle of the ground, and like you could be critical of these areas, or you could like these areas, but it's like, it was, it was nice. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it also isn't good enough for a podcast, but luckily, we're going to copy the homework of our listeners. We're basically going to make this their show. Uh, and we'll respond to what they have to say that's thoughtful. Now, does that make us, like, really bad podcast hosts? Like, are we just, like, because we're not really, we're just going to kind of, like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. You should be um, running this show. <laughs> you know, our it seems like our listening base is only growing. So, it, are we a bad show? We'll let the viewers decide. You decide. You write in and let us know. Are we a? You yeah, keep show? listening, so yeah. something is bringing you back. Yeah. So who's got the problem? Um, okay. <laughs> so this, this, yeah, this week we're wrapping up our second ever movie club. We made it. We got to the end of it. Uh, three. Just in time returns. for Canada Day. Just in time for Canada Day. Yeah. What? What? Well, timing. Um, that it was, was almost as if we thought that out on purpose. Almost. <laughs> almost it was more like we, we picked the theme yeah. we picked the theme and i said oh great canada day yeah is it is it planned out in advance or stumbled upon it <laughs> by chance know. by chance um but yeah as you were saying it looks like things are, are growing we had lots of uh, people sign up for uh, this movie club and quite quite a few wrote in this week some of their thoughts um so we've got four five five we've got five of our fans who wrote in uh, to talk about this movie. Um, we've also had a lot of people vote to see what they were rating it. And, of course, we have Josh to ask us some questions. So uh, right. we, we got we got lots going on here. Um, one interesting tidbit is this movie, as we've been titling it and calling it and talking about the, the F word, in the States it was known as What If. Yeah, because they're lame. Because I guess... From what I was reading, I was trying to do some research, and there's not like a lot of information about it. But I guess they just thought their their audiences wouldn't respond to it. I read that because of the censors, they thought it was too close, 
to a swear word. Really? Okay. I didn't find that. You know, I only like, found like, oh, they thought we, audiences wouldn't like it. Are we allowed to swear yet on the show? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, you counting down the days till we can swear <laughs> on the show? Not that like I want to swear a lot. But in this instance, it would have been handy if we could say. But essentially, so, you know, the F word can mean more than one thing. Yes. But in this case, it's supposed to stand for friend. Friend. Like the friend word. Yeah. But since uh, U.S. censors would thought that people would be like, no, uh, the swear, people are going to think it's the swear word. Oh. That, that's what I read. That is kind of lame. I mean, I'm not one to to judge on that type of thing because like i don't know for me for me swearing is all about the 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 way in which you use it that makes it appropriate a well-placed swear word at the right time to me is art like if if people overuse swear words all the time and it just becomes nothing but it works really well if you if you mix it in at certain times but yeah like this clearly stands for the f word meaning friend or friendship or i kind of looked at it as like getting stuck in the friend bubble the friend zone. The friend zone. Yes, that's better. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> but what would be a better name? The F word or what if? I'm not going to be interested in what if. Yeah, and also what if to me doesn't really um, doesn't really capture to me what this movie is about. No. Yes, yes, you're talking about two people who like, oh, you know, what if I could get, get into a relationship Will they or won't yeah. they? But that to me That is, would be a better name. Will they or won't will they? Will they or won't they? Um, but right from the beginning, like once they meet um, and they're walking home and they like, you know, basically she reveals she has a boyfriend and they, they are going to be friends. Like the whole idea around it is I'm basically stuck being being the friend to someone that I'm interested in and I'm denying yeah. my interest and all that, right? So that, to me, the F word captures that a little bit more. Will Better. they, won't they? Would also be appropriate, but again, also kind of a cliche thing. But but yeah, what if is a little um, a little not lame. quite... Yeah, lame and not quite there. Not quite, I think, what they intended in this movie. Um, but yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. There you go. Titles. Um, so yeah, we're going to, uh, well, let's talk about this movie and then we'll get into some, some fan stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, Taylor, you, you'd seen this before, so why don't you start and tell us how it compared to watching it then and now? So I saw this originally in theaters, um, which is kind of rare for Canadian cinema. Screen I saw it at, I think, um, cinema, Cineplex. Okay. Um, and I think it came out like 2017. And I saw it with my best friend, Aaron. And I remember really enjoying it. Like, I... But it was one of those movies I could not really tell you at all what happened afterwards. Like, (laughs) I remember this set... I remember, like, we were talking about picking the movies for this round. And I went, oh, yeah, I've seen the F word. I remember liking it. I remember the basic premise. But had... Other than that, no memories of it. Completely forgot that Adam Driver is like one of the main characters. Yeah. Or like a side character. He's but the still, friend. Like, he's like the friend role in a rom com. He's yeah. pretty prominent yeah. in the movie. Absolutely. Um so watching it again, I certainly did still enjoy it. And there was times where I was laughing out loud. I think I would have liked to watch it again with Aaron. 
or like another girlfriend. Sure. Kind of like how I felt with the Lovebirds. Right, right. You know, some movies, like I watch a lot of movies by myself and I enjoy watching movies by myself, but some movies I feel like have a better experience overall when you're with other people. Like, like when you're watching a horror movie in a movie theater. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I definitely think that, that something's lost with, with, certain, with certain types of movies. But yeah, I watched this alone, too, and it was definitely... The, the comedy alone, I think, gets enhanced when you're with someone and you're mm-hmm. just having a good time. So, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why we need our fans to write in. Yeah. Because it was good. Like, I think... One of the interesting things I read was that a lot of the dialogue between Daniel Radcliffe and the young woman, what's the name of her? Um, Zoe um, Kazan? Yeah. So a lot of their dialogue were improvised Mm. in order to make it feel like, you know, two people getting to know each other who are kind of vibing off of each other, banter. Feels so, more real that way, yeah. And it certainly did. Like, I think they had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was great in this movie. He was. Yeah, he's so. peak Adam yeah. for me. Like, just kind of this oddball. He reminded me a lot of his character on Girls, which I love. I've never Adam seen from Girls. But, um... Like, nicer. Because he's not a nice guy on Girls. Oh, okay. So, in this movie, it was, like, the screwballness of Girls, but, like, the lovability (laughs) that... So, I could watch Adam Driver in a comedy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He... I really liked his relationship with, um, what is it, Wallace, Daniel Radcliffe's character? Because, to me, it was... I mean, it was, like, the supportive friend, sure, but, like, they're arguing and they're, they're so different... But it kind of works for them. Like, that they're so many scenes, they're kind of like just kind of. You would think if, if you weren't friends, you'd be at each other's throats. But because you're friends and they have this like friendship underneath them, they banter and they bicker back and forth, but it's all within fr- friendship, which I, which I really appreciate seeing because you don't see that often. And like, I have a lot of friendships that are like that. You like argue with each other, whatever, but but you're you're friends, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So I really yeah. like their their relationship as well. I felt like the friendships that they were showing were pretty strong. And there was a scene where Adam Driver and his wife in the movie um, set up Daniel Radcliffe and the Zoe girl. To essentially, because in the movie, as we mentioned at the beginning, it's kind of a will they, won't they. They meet, and she has a boyfriend, she's in a relationship, and it's basically like, we're going to be friends, and like, can they be friends? And yeah. And so there's a scene where Adam Drivers and his wife are trying to make something happen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. should I get off the pot with them in terms of their relationship? And in a typical rom-com... Normally something, the expectation would have been a certain way and it would have just, in the context of the rom-com, no one would have bat an eye and whatever, it would have progressed the story. Whereas in this movie, I think the reaction that um, Zoe and Daniel have are more authentic to real life. Like how they're actually really mad 
at Adam Driver and his wife. Right. Do you know the scene I'm talking about when yes. they're on the beach? Yep. So I like that it, it seemed in a way, like I like sort of the fantasy aspects of rom-coms, but also it's nice when it's grounded in real life. And even though this movie had some fan fantastical elements like in terms of even like there's animation at certain parts in the film and when Daniel Radcliffe flies to Ireland for one day and then flies back in the same day like that's very unrealistic but the beach scene seemed really real yeah for the for the most part I, I felt this movie seemed raw and real which is good with like the odd moment of, like, what's going on time-wise. Um, I don't know. I guess I just... For me, I felt... I felt like the only real criticism that I could have towards this movie is it's a little predictable by the books. Uh, nothing I haven't seen before, which is something that I knock movies on all the time, but this was well executed, so I have sort of less to say in terms of that because I did enjoy myself. It was pretty good. Would I like sit down and, and watch this a million times? Probably not. Would I run to the theater to see it? Probably not. But that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy the movie. So I think like it, that's the really only criticism I, I could give towards this movie was it's a little predictable. It's, it's pretty much a standard romantic comedy. There's nothing in here I haven't really seen before. Um, with some maybe out of date or becoming out of date views on can can people of of you know can can a man and a woman have a friendship that's not romantic, which is something that I think is is shown in a lot of movies of a certain time. But you know, it's again that's probably the only thing I could say about it. Uh, otherwise, it was an enjoyable movie. It was I, I mean I think I had the same experience as you did. I laughed out loud at a lot of moments. Um, I liked some of the dialogue, even though it seemed, it did seem raw and real, which I kind of liked about it. You know, I didn't, I didn't get taken out of the film in that way. So yeah, I thought that there were a lot of great, great little things. And to me, Adam Driver acting wise steals the movie because I think he's so good. And you can see this even when, when would this movie come out? Like six years ago, seven years ago. So I think the, it was 2017. Okay, so this was this was before he was even really like anything. Like he was just he was like he just was, becoming. He was on Girls at this point, right? Okay, but, but he I don't wasn't think he'd done Star like a household Wars. name. Yeah, yeah, he hadn't done Star Wars. He hadn't done. Oh anything. my goodness! This movie's from 2013. Okay, that's why I thought. I thought it was more like 2014, 2013. Oh okay, wow! Yeah. yeah, so that was even. I before, feel old. Yeah, that was before. He was in Star Wars before people got to know him. So, you know, you could see him as a rising star in this movie. Do, like, do you agree with that? Yeah, like, 100%. Because I'm thinking, he's not even, Logan Lucky came in tw came out in 2017. Um, oh, well, Star Wars, 2015. But no, I get, I know what you're saying is that, you know, you can see his star potential yeah. in this movie. yeah. Yeah, and and you know it's not not to say that anyone else wasn't good as well. Like I thought, like the acting is pretty solid across the board. But there's just something about him that you can see. You can see that he's going to become a star. You just want to watch him. Yeah, like yeah, he's 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 interesting. 
Agreed. Um, okay, what do you what do you give this movie? What's your rating? <sighs> Pandemic rating is a stream it. Um, if this was normal time and it was like exactly this month, like June, end of June, um, and it's nice out, but you know, you want to go see a movie with your girlfriends. To me, this is a theater movie. Mm. Um, but if this came out like in the middle of winter, I don't know. Like, I think it's just like the Lovebirds had such a a summertime blockbuster feel. Like when I think of you know, hanging out with my girlfriends, the weather is nice, we just want to have a goofy time. It's like summertime in my mind. Um, so to me, this is like a summertime goofy movie I would see with my girlfriends, and I would definitely see it in theaters, and in fact, I did see it in theaters, <laughs> so um, I stand by that. So it's a see it, given the time of the year, and if it's a non-pandemic. You always like to complicate things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that... why we don't have a number system. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I could see if we had a number system, you'd be like a 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.26 person. <laughs> you know, I would have given it a four by yeah. 0.17 off yeah. because of this. Yeah, and and rating rating systems are are tough for films, and we talked about this. this is why we kind of picked ours anyway because because even for this it's like i'm kind of torn between a stream it and an airplane it only because those are the times i'd watch this movie um, but i don't think like i don't know i gave i think i gave the ravenous a, an airplane it so to me to me it's like i enjoyed it better so i'm probably going to say a stream it as well because i don't know i kind of agree with you with the time frame though like th this would be the perfect time of year for this type of movie because it would be a nice sort of palate cleansing film that even I would be looking for in between all the summer movies. Yeah. Late June is usually where I see a movie just, just like this, um, where, where it's something a little bit different. Um, it's a bit of a change from the blockbustery action feel of summer, but it fits in really nice. Well, you can go on a walk before or after. Like, and you might completely forget about it after you leave the theater. You might. But you're going to have a nice time in the theater. Yeah. And it's like it's like you're forgetting about it in, in the way that's nice to forget about. Yeah. Not the this was just a forgettable experience. Just it was exactly what you needed and wanted. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a stream it and say that uh, that it's, it's worth a watch. There's lots of other movies that are like it out there, but this one... Uh, but it doesn't, well but those movies don't have Adam Driver. No, that's the thing. Like Adam <laughs> Driver fuels it, and it plays that role really well. So you're going to get something really interesting out of, out of him. So there you go. Um, let's hear from some of our fans uh, who, who watched this um, and see what they thought about it, and then we'll get into the kind of uh, rating the system at the end and see what everyone else thought, and then we'll hear from... Uh, Josh, who has some questions for us. So let's start with uh, Tyler Vance, uh, who says, Hello, Mike and Taylor. I love the movie When Harry Met Sally. Trust me, this relates. It's probably one of, if not the best romantic comedies ever made. Sure, it... <laughs> Sure, it comes to all the same tropes, goes through the same beats, and embraces the same backwards, 
thought that heterosexual members of the opposite sex can't be friends, just like all the other members of its genre. But, unlike the rest, uh, When Harry Met Sally has a fantastic script, inventive split-screen sequences, and explosive chemistry between its leads. The F-word really wants to be the modern-day Canadian version of When Harry Met Sally, like, really badly. At times, it even comes close. Uh, there are momentary glimpses of beautiful barbed banter between the always wonderful Zoe Kazan and the forever interesting Daniel Radcliffe. Adam Driver and Mackenzie Davis's intense relationship gets some laughs as well. All have good chemistry, and the Tor and Toronto has rarely looked prettier as a backdrop for this wacky web of whimsy. But the glimpse of great dialogue are indeed just that. Well, that's an interesting thought that, that he has. I want to come back to that. Um, uh, there, there are moments of brilliance amid the sea of awkward to greatly effortful attempts to be witty. And if it's, uh, and if it's still in service to this idea that men and women can never just be friends. You know, Hollywood, there is drama. Uh, but Western comedies seem to keep this friendship... Uh, alive even well into the modern era. It doesn't always have to end with kissing to be considered enthralling. Glad that the second round of screening Kingston Movie Club appears to be a great success. Your show continues to ferry me along the TTC's grungiest of stretches with a smile on my face, even as you consider you continue to slander her smell despite my cease and desist orders. Sincerely, <laughs> Tyler Vance. Those got lost in the mail. Uh, yeah, uh, the, I didn't get it, your season desist order. I'm, that's what I'm sticking to. That's the story um, I'm sticking to. He, okay, so he brings up to a couple points here that I, I want to come back to. Um, the comparison to When Harry Met Sally's pretty bang on. I mean, I think this movie w was very much trying to be like When Harry Met Sally. Um, yeah, I won't argue that at all. Yeah. But surprisingly, I don't... Um, I could take your leave when Harry Met Sally... You're not a you're not a fan. No, I don't hate it. I watched it on New Year's Eve one year with Aaron, who I watched this movie with, and it was okay. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember liking it. Um, I would pick this over that. You would, yeah, really? You would you would take this over that? But maybe just because I like again, I agree with. Um, that Daniel Radcliffe is like an interesting actor. Yeah, I, like, I enjoy what line. he gives to the screen. Yeah, um, he says there are momentary glimpses of beautifully barbed banter between the always wonderful Zoe Kazan uh, and the forever interesting Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> which is a, which is a I think the best way to describe Daniel Radcliffe um, in only a way that Tyler Vance can. Um, in a tongue twister of a sentence he makes me read. But it's, to me, Daniel Radcliffe is interesting because I don't quite get everything his, about him as an actor. Go ahead. I think his career tra trajectory is similar to Robert Pattinson's in that he's in a position now where he can kind of pick and choose the um, film and television product pro project, sorry, that he finds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he does. And I think he certainly is an interesting actor, and I, I 
haven't followed a lot of his career, but um, when I do see him, I think he's doing a good job. And I just don't think he's been as successful as Robert Pattinson in pivoting between the two worlds, both mm. like mainstream film no. and indie film. Yeah. It seems like largely Daniel Radcliffe is more comfortable doing indie. Yes. Um, and he's done television. a lot of indie films. Like that's the thing. He's done a lot. Too. Yeah. Um, and I think this is probably the most mainstream film he's done other than Harry Potter. Like, And he's, from what I read, he took this posi- this uh, part because he had never been in it, like had played a part like this before. Yeah, and that's, so that's what he, he likes it. to do. He takes on different roles. Um, a lot of the indie films he's done are he he's plays very strange, odd, different characters because he likes to clearly experiment and try different things. Um, but I agree with you. I think Robert Pattinson's had more success with that. Um, but both are very, yeah, I never made that comparison before. Both are very similar in the fact that they made their money and now they can basically do whatever they want with it and they love it. They love doing their different types of films and really the art of it, which, which is interesting, um, that they're, they're both more focused on, I don't care about being a movie star. I want to make the films I that interest me. You know, um, just as an aside, who was originally cast in Daniel Radcliffe's role? Uh, who? Casey Affleck. Really? That would have been different. <laughs> There's a 14-year age difference between Casey Affleck and Daniel Radcliffe. So I wonder if they would have cast an older lead Maybe. for Zoe Kazan. Because I don't think it would have worked with her. Like Casey Affleck, just imagining that. Um, she was quite good, actually. Um, I've only ever seen her in one other movie, which was The Big Sick. Right. I haven't seen I haven't her seen in anything else. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. She's in Revolutionary Road. It's complicated, which I've seen. I guess she kind of just flies under the radar. She was um, in the Coen Brothers' new thing, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I saw that. She's in that? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I don't remember. She kind of <laughs> has one of those... <laughs> and I don't mean this in a mean way. She's very nondescript. Um, what do you mean? Like, in terms of appearance? Like... Yeah. She's pretty, but she's very nondescript. And even her her performance. It yeah, wasn't like... That's true. Her performance is not... It's not mind-blowingly good. It's not terrible. It kind of is just... She just plays the person. Yeah, which, again, is like, again, the only... Of, of the things you mentioned, again, the only thing I've seen her in is is apparently that Buster Scrubs thing, which I don't remember her in, but The Big Sick, where, you know, she doesn't have the biggest role um, in it, but she still... I don't think there's anything that she does that makes me go, whoa, like, I, you know, that's... You know, there's just something about some actors that... that like we're saying with Adam Driver, you can't help but watch you can't look away and there's something interesting about daniel radcliffe and the way that he acts but but with her it's just kind of like oh it's good like well, you know what? Doing her we, job. i think we had mentioned this when last week when we were talking about the ravenous there's something to be said about actors who just do what they came to do they play humans they're real life humans that you're like yep and then they go home and they're done their job. You know, you know what I mean? You know who, who's, a, who's a relatively big star, who I think also falls under that category, is Chris Pratt. 
Because even though he's funny and witty, he basically just plays Ish the same type of character. That He's the new um, Brendan Fraser, where they do what they do well, they're kind of there. You can see them in very different things. Like Chris Pratt's had small roles all over the place in things, and is always like, oh, that was good, like, did his thing. But I mean, maybe there's something more witty about them than that that type of character. But to me, that that's exactly what how I would describe. I would disagree. Really, I think they're in a different league. Like Chris Pratt and Brendan Fraser have a charisma. Like they have star power. Yeah, I guess. Um, Whereas this Zoe Kazan in doesn't necessarily, to me, have quote unquote star power, Mm. which is like. I like a working actor. Yeah. I like an actor that shows up, does their job, you know, great work, has a very consistent career. Yeah. But at the same time, like, do I picture Zoe Kazan, like, fronting a huge blockbuster the way that maybe Margot Robbie would? No. 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 But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different type of acting. And... Yeah. So I don't. Need, I personally need that, don't right? agree like you with You need the... the consistency as well. Like you're kind of pointing out, you know, like in the ravenous, you need that consistency to be there um, within movies to to make it feel real and to make it feel like you're you are because especially in a movie like this, you're basically watching what could be real life. So you need mm-hmm. you need actors exactly like that to be to be part of it. And it looks like she's done some TV work. She, to me, is like a TV actress. Like, I I get behind that. Yeah. Oh, it's raining now. Yeah. Can you oh, hear absolutely. the rain in my house? Hmm? Can you hear the rain in my house? It's raining pretty hard. No, is it raining? <laughs> okay. I'm not in a room with a, uh, a window. window. Oh, yeah. Do you record in your bathroom? No, I record in my main room. It's just my, my, so basically when I moved, I now have a massive window in my bedroom, like huge. Um, but it's the only window in my apartment. So what I do to record is yeah. I actually close the door to my room, which are these two massive French doors. It's very nice. So I close that so there's no sound whatsoever in the main room other than my fish tank in the background. Um, <laughs> so I'm just not facing a direction where I can easily see a window but if Got I it. put in a little bit of an effort I can see and it is raining though it's also really sunny out where Ooh, I am it's thunderstorm in the west end oh boy okay so it's coming for me because <laughs> <So, laughs> I can see some raindrops but not that heavy in it and there's sun <laughs> like well, out my you window can, here's some rocking and rolling it's okay. on my end okay all right cool well there you go we've got uh, we got rain a coming we probably will get to me by the end of this uh, recording. Um, Tyler did answer our, our question here in the other other section. Um, P.S. He says the parent the parrot comment I made last week for the Ravenous oh, refers right. to the movie's after credit scene. Oh, I didn't watch the I end. I didn't know this had an after credit <laughs> scene. He says spoiler in the after credit scene, our characters now zombified after the movie's gory climax are all sitting around staring at a big pile of chairs. The camera slowly zooms to reveal a parrot sitting on one of the chairs for reasons. I don't I again I well A I didn't know bummer, this post didn't watch to the end. Yeah. No I idea. hate after scene <laughs> or after credit scenes. I hate them. 
Yeah, you're you you haven't been a big fan of them. I like them. Why do I have to sit through five minutes of credits to see a parrot? No, thank you. Dumb. Well, yeah, especially in this case where what 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 is the parrot for that? Like the way he's describing that, I have no idea. It's literally just there. Yeah. Um, and then let's just quickly get Tyler's uh, rating here. Okay, he said stream it, so his rating was a stream it. Um, Fair enough for that movie. Okay, moving on to Nicole. Uh, who writes in... Oh, well, I'll just go in order of this form, actually. So Nicole gives it a stream it um, and says, right off the top, I will admit my bias for the reasons why I love this movie and why I rushed to see it when it first came out is because so much of it takes place in my neighborhood and places I frequent around the city. So it feels uh, very familiar. Uh, I love it when Toronto is setting for a movie and when it comes... Uh, when it gets to be Toronto and not New York City or any other city. I definitely sound like a film bro when I say the city feels like another character, but it's true. That being said, I would only ever recommend this movie to people who are diehard Radcliffe or Driver fans. I found the script tired, uh, too hard, trying too hard to be quirky and offbeat, but I don't think the actors, but I do think the actors did a really good, the best that they could with what they were given. I also think this movie continues to perpetuate the idea that men and women can't be friends without underlying feelings. Kind of feels like the writer may have had similar experiences to Wallace and rewritten the story to reflect what he wished had happened. Great soundtrack and score, though. Do we think that Zoe Kazan's character might... Uh, character is a manic pixie dream girl. Did you want to eat fool's gold? after watching this movie. Nicole also just wants to add, because she knows this area so well, um, she'd like everyone to keep in mind that Toronto, uh, that in th that uh, this is a very white uh, Toronto, and the city is actually much more diverse than it's portrayed, um, so in the way that the director uh, shows the city. And of course, Nicole would know, being from that area, uh, that it's much more diverse than the way it's portrayed. So there you go, I mean, I think Nicole hit upon the facts of, like, Adam Driver, clearly. Uh, Dan and Radcliffe fans will probably like this. Um, but the fact that it's set in Toronto kind of gave her a little bit more of an interest in this movie, which I'm sure is true for a lot of people from Toronto. I love any time a Canadian movie is just, like, Canadian. You yeah, know it's just I mean? unapologetically be like, it's set in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and we're filming it there. And... She's sending a postcard with the CN Tower on it. <laughs> I wish I saw that more. <laughs> and there were moments where, I mean, I've been to Toronto a little bit, but mainly in the touristy spots. But there were a couple, like, I think I recognized one of the parks they were in, because you could see the Toronto skyline in the background. And I'm pretty sure I've been in that park. So I think that they did a pretty good job of showing different areas. But, I mean, I agree with um, something that uh, Tyler said as well of like, he said that Toronto's kind of never looked better. It it doesn't, like, it looked very much like glamoured for this movie. <laughs> like, from, from places I've been, even. Like, it's a beautiful city, don't get me wrong. But it was clearly that they did a lot of picking and choosing for backdrops and what they would do. And I'm sure they took over the real streets and filled it with extras and did a bunch of cool things. I'm sure there's lots of people who have stories of being extras in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, there you go. Nicole gives it another stream it. Um, next person here. We've got Lily, who also gives it a stream it. Uh, Lily says, yes, finally a Radcliffe movie for us Potterheads. It was okay. Honestly, I liked the acting better than I liked the script of the movie. Um, it was a bit too predictable for me, but as romantic comedies go, I really enjoyed this one. I give this a stream it because I actually did rush out to theaters to see it when, I, when it originally came out, but that's mainly because I'm from Toronto. I still enjoyed it the second time around, but glad I watched it at home. Um, so there you go. Lil Lily and, and Nicole, I guess, are on the same page then. Both from Toronto uh, like the acting a little bit more than they like the script. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't have as much problem with the script as, as Nicole and Lily did, but I, I will agree with the predictable comment. Like, I, I do think the movie was predictable. I think sometimes things can be... I don't know, there's almost comfort in knowing what you're kind of getting into. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I agree with you with that. I think there is a comfort that comes with that. We've talked about that before, and you've brought it up as as to that that feeling right now during the, the pandemic of, of people re-watching things. I know I was doing it, just re-watching things as opposed to watching something new. Yeah, just... You don't always have to be engaging with media that's gonna like completely rock your world no. in my opinion no you're absolutely right um sometimes it's nice to to put on a movie just like this absolutely yeah. um next from uh jamie uh who says uh did not rate it but let me go into here oh i've, I've never um i've never heard of this movie how did Adam Driver end up in a Canadian film like this? For that matter, how did Harry Potter? Anyway. I was going to say, I'm like, Adam Driver's the confusing part? Yeah, no, like, Harry Potter, like, Dana Radcliffe would have been more popular at this time than Adam Driver. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Um, anyway, honestly, this was a very middle ground movie for me. I like the first two movies in your movie club a little bit more than this one, so it was hard for me to rate it. I did laugh a bit. I enjoyed the acting. I thought the script was funny. But it didn't really blow me away. Maybe this is more of an airplay movie for me. Because I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it either. Um, thank you, Jamie, for those comments. Yeah, maybe maybe you're more of an airplane person. You're, you know, just a movie to throw on on an airplane. And I don't know, you don't... I don't think you miss anything when you watch this movie on, on a device or, or on an airplane or at home. Like, I don't think you're missing anything by not seeing it in the theaters. So, you know, I, I could see where you're coming from there but yeah I don't, I don't know how how i mean i guess harry potter we found out that daniel radcliffe he ended up in this movie because he like you were saying taylor he never done a role like that before so yeah. he wanted to be pick and choosy adam driver was relatively unknown like if he's in a you know this could have been in his mind his first big opportunity to get on the film um festival circuit because this went to tiff i believe it did yeah so, you know, that, that's an appealing thing for actors. To, and TIFF's one of the big ones. Like, I know we say a lot about Canadian film, but, like, in terms of, of films in general coming, the Toronto International Film Festival has a lot of films come through it. That, uh, it's do, the real deal. Yeah, so I, I feel like, oh, this movie's going to go to TIFF? Yeah, I'm going to definitely jump on board. Like, it makes sense why he would say yes. Um, next from Tim, uh, who gives this movie a stream it. He says, I thought it was interesting when you said that not a lot of Canadian films are really considered a 
box office success. He went along to explain that marketing money and money into production is just not done here in Canada, whereas in the States have a lot more money to go around. Why do you think all the films, um, of all the films, this one was successful? Don't get me wrong, I did enjoy it. But between this and Goon, I haven't really seen a lot of Canadian films. I haven't even really enjoyed the ones that I've seen other than those two. I enjoyed the F word, um, and I thought it was a great pick for this movie club, but I was curious on what your thoughts were on why this film over others seemed to quote-unquote make it. This isn't really even my favorite of the three we just watched, but somehow um, it had a bigger budget from the beginning. I give it a stream. It. Um, yeah, I mean, Taylor, what are your thoughts? Why do you think this one... Um, made it as it were um it was picked up for an american distribution because of tiff yeah the so i don't know if that's helps, a factor right? oh for sure sorry i think what did you festivals say? hugely help yeah yeah um i would have to do a little bit more research in terms of production because in a way it didn't feel like a canadian production the fact that um adam driver is american daniel radcliffe is british Zoe Kazan is American. So I don't really know, like, is the director Canadian? He is. Okay. Actually, um, um, it's interesting that um, that uh, Tim brings up Goon, because Goon was also directed by, by this director. So he, he's, uh, Goon's a really good movie. Yeah, and he, he was born in London, I think. I'll, I'll double-check that, because I was, I was looking up the production, because I, I had a similar thought to you. I was like, how Canadian is this? But yeah, the director is for sure Canadian. Uh, Michael Doze, or Dozer, I'm not sure to say Doze or Dozer, um, but he yeah, directed Goon, and he actually just directed Stuber, which was a movie that went to, tried to go to theaters, and I think ended up, uh, ended up just on streaming. Oh, sources. he did Fubar too. Fubar, yep. Um, so yeah, he, but he's from, yeah, he was born in London, Ontario. So yeah, he's, he's Canadian. I w I'll have to do a little bit of... I probably should have researched before we launched this uh, Canadian film series. At what point is it does it become considered a Canadian production? Well, I mean, the, I, believe it was a, I believe it was CBC Studios um, who, who were involved with the actual production of it. Because to me, for it to be Canadian... I think it has to have been produced and originally distributed by by a Canadian company. Um, whether it's filmed in Canada or there are Canadians involved in production, I think that's even secondary to to what's the production company that's behind it. Where are the producers? Like, like so, all David of that. Gross is a Canadian producer. And yeah, CBC Studios was one of the three studios mentioned. Um, here, I don't know if the others are Canadian, but yeah. So to me, if you got a Canadian producer, Canadian director, and the company is Canadian, then it's a Canadian film. There you go. And it started off, as we said, like it started off in the TIFF and the circuit. So someone went to TIFF and and liked it, and an American distributor and like bought the rights to to put it in the states. You know that that's how that works. So you know, I think film festivals helped if you can get your your movie into a film festival if people think that it's going to be successful. Again, it all comes down to personal opinion, right? Whoever that individual is who goes to see it, <laughs> it, it you know, on behalf of whatever company, it's up to them. 
to decide. So uh, all these things come down to there's no perfect storm. There's no perfect uh, mathematical equation. It comes down to people. Whoever picks up the phone that day at the studio makes a decision. Um, and that can, that can mean really good movies are missed. Um, we've got final question here comes from Josh who writes in and says, Oh, Hey, um, what is your favorite streaming service, original TV show or movie? So sure. any, any streaming service originals that are our favorites. So I got to Google this real quick. Okay. Will you Google? Cause I've got, I've got a couple thoughts because I, I just got as, as a new Amazon prime, uh, user. Um, I, uh, I, here are some results. Oh my, sorry. My phone <laughs> activated cause I said the magic word. Um, so as a, as a new Amazon prime user, I'm getting, uh, into a couple of the series on there. So I, I really like Fleabag, which is an Amazon original, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Stranger Things from, from Netflix and, um, uh, Lost in Space, net, which was a Netflix series. I really liked some of the superhero ones they were doing before that kind of ended abruptly. Um, but those are some of my favorites and I'm really, really getting into Fleabag and I'm interested in some of these other Amazon shows that are on there. There's quite a few that I'm now going to start watching Jack Ryan, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, things I've heard a lot about. That would about. be on my favorite. Yeah, I've heard so Yeah, I've heard so much about it and I'm I'm just excited to get to start like now that I have it. I just I'm not I'm sure there's more that I'm really into and just don't know that they're platform specific. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm never like Oh, I'm gonna seek out the new Amazon Prime original. It's just like I watch a show and then later I find out it is an original. Right, right. You find out, yeah, you don't know, yeah. So I don't really pay attention to that all that much, but The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, definitely. Yeah. Um, and Netflix gets a little bit confusing because sometimes they call it a Netflix original, but it was actually. Like, it aired elsewhere, but Netflix is now just helping produce it. Yeah, they, they became a distributor. And I think Dairy Girls is included in that. But, like, Dairy Girls was originally produced by Channel 4 in, like, over in the UK. Oh, okay. But I think it's considered a Netflix original on Netflix. Oh. So, like, there's this weird... Again, kind of like, how do you where's the line where something becomes Canadian? Where's the line where it becomes owned by Netflix or yeah. owned by Amazon? Yeah, to me, to me, you have to be the financial backer. Like, it's who's putting the money into it. So when Netflix acquires something, and they probably pay a lot of money to be a distributor worldwide or whatever, I still wouldn't, even though they, they slap the original thing on there, I still wouldn't call that... Um, an original, but but when they when they pour money into a studio to create something, to me that that's always how I look at it. But again, the the line's probably less blurry than that. Um, but yeah, there there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones out there. Those those are kind of some of my favorites. Um, but yeah, it's it, yeah. If you if you don't pay attention to it, you wouldn't know. Okay, well, where does this come from? You probably have to look into the background of each show and see. But hey, if you like it, you like it. 
There's one Netflix original that I'm very much looking forward to. Eurovision. Oh, I haven't heard of that. It came out on Friday. Okay. What's that one? It's Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And they're competing in Eurovision. (laughs) Okay. Is that that (laughs) some sort of a... What's that? That's a competition of some sort? Yeah, you've never heard of Eurovision? I have not. So, in Europe, and now Australia is involved, um, which is a bone of contention for some people, but oh, okay. <laughs> essentially each European country puts forward an original song and then all of the countries present their songs and one song wins every year (laughs) wait this is a real thing yeah oh abba abba the swedish band yeah competed in eurovision wow okay so but it's like very campy and silly and most of the times the performances aren't very good or they're over the top, but it's very, it has like a cult following. Yeah. And it's huge in Europe. I have friends who have gone to the live tapings. Okay. Like that's, they like planned their holiday to make sure they could go to Eurovision. And now Will Ferrell is in a movie about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he, he does his singing thing. He does. No, he sings. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Erin, I've mentioned her a couple times on the show. She's living in Scotland now, um, and we're going to try to have a Netflix party yeah. for it to watch Eurovision, this new movie. So I'll report back. Yes, please. Yeah, report back, and uh, we'll, we'll see what you thought about that. And yeah, I, m- I might give that a shot, too. That sounds really interesting. It's going to be a comedy, obviously. Yeah, oh. I mean, I would imagine so. But maybe in the vein of, like, a pitch perfect, right? Like, singing comedy with lots of different... Like, doesn't mean that, you know, music might still be fun. Might be interesting. I think it's going to be zany. Zany. (laughs) Yeah, sounds zany. Like, I think it's going to be peak Will Ferrell. Like, I'm thinking, like... And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking of, like, Blades of Glory Will Ferrell. (laughs) Yeah. You know? (laughs) Is that peak Will Ferrell? Like, just his essence. You mean him and his most Will yes, Ferrell-ness. like yeah. most Will yeah, Ferrell. So sure. the movie's called Eurovision Song Con... Sorry, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. <laughs> That's the name of the movie. And it's a musical comedy starring Will Ferrell, who also wrote... Um, He's responsible for the script, along with Andrew Steele. And the film follows Icelandic singers, (laughs) Lars and (laughs) Sigrid, as they are given the chance to represent their country at the Eurovision Song Contest. (laughs) And your favorite, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, is oh, is also in, in it. <laughs> what? Why is he in this movie? <laughs> and Dan Stevens and Demi Lovato. Oh my god, Dan Stevens too. <laughs> so I cannot wait. And if you look at the poster, again, like peak Will Ferrell, like just like, yep. Oh, we have to review this movie. Okay, we well we're to gonna review. do it. Yeah, we'll 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 work this in there. We gotta review this movie. <laughs> Maybe next week. Yeah. So it just came out. Like it just. It came out on Friday. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so, well, yeah, maybe next week, because I, I think we got to uh, 
We got to review this movie. We got like I, you've sold me on it. <laughs> I really hope that everyone does their own singing. Yes. Oh, I, that's that's a must. You got to just let it. Like I know Will sing. Ferrell, no question, because he does sing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> like you, you completely I hope sold me. Singing. I hope well, Dan Stevens yeah. is singing. I mean, Dan Stevens was in Beauty and the Beast, so yeah. he clearly sings. Um, so, I mean, they cast people who have sung before. So, and Demi Lovato is a singer. The, like, the, yeah, you've you've sold me on this. I think we organically came up with what we're talking about uh, next week. Um, but <laughs> I'm glad Josh brought up that question. It leads us into this. Um, he's got one more for us here. Um, do you think actors can be typecast? And if so, do you think uh, this limits the audience's enjoyments um, if they're ever cast in something new? For example, Daniel Radcliffe and the F word with his past of Harry Potter. Um, I mean, I feel like that can affect people's perception of, of people. I mean, we, we were just talking about Robert Pattinson. Um, I feel like Robert Pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe are kind of labeled as their big characters from their big blockbuster movies. Um, and it, I don't know if it's necessarily hurt their career on an artistic standpoint, maybe in the mainstream, but it seems like they've chosen to stay out of that. So I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Taylor? Can this ever affect your views personally on on seeing someone what they've done and what roles they've been in the past i think people who um like daniel radcliffe part of the problem was that daniel radcliffe and uh robert pattison in a way were almost i wouldn't say like child stars well robert or um daniel radcliffe certainly yes um and so you have the problem of a you started as a young child actor and then you were attached to really big budget franchises already they have a lot of things working against them yeah and so i think their careers are an example of how you can break the mold and um pursue your artistic interests but they probably had to work very hard um, in order to do kind of what they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but I think you see it with, like, when Robert Pattinson was cast as Batman, there was a lot of backlash. Yeah. Saying, oh, how could Edward Cullen play Batman? Yeah. But people didn't realize, like, those people that were criticizing him, He's been consistently working mm -hmm. in independent film. Yep. So I think, yeah, people are type cast all the time. Like the guy who always plays the villain. Or to a certain extent, I would say um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the tough guy. The, the tough but lovable guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So would I be mad if all of a sudden... The Rock plays. I can't even think of an example. A, a like, like programmer for a yeah <laughs> for a computer company. He's and... an office guy. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad. I would be curious. Yeah, it would be also to see how he would, would do hard. it in that. Like just like that's getting into also like how someone looks because like that would be hard to imagine. But yeah. that doesn't mean it can't be done well. 
And I mean, we've seen that because that's the thing. Like we all have preconceptions as to what certain things should be. So just because it breaks the mold of what we think doesn't mean it's not possible. There could be computer programmers out there who look kind of like The Rock. It's possible. Robert Pattinson can play Batman. Like, why does Batman have to look a certain way or, or feel a certain way in certain people's eyes? So I think, like, I think you're right. I think there's almost two different things. There's the acting, which sometimes is hard for people to get around. And then there's the way people look, which is hard for sometimes people to get around. But if it's well executed, I think it's been proven that people are like, okay, like if you do it well, for the most part, you don't hear you don't hear complaints if the movie's done well. If Robert Pattinson is an amazing Batman, no one's gonna say anything. He'll be able to literally be in any movie he wants. A hundred percent. But he, yeah, a hundred percent. If it tanks, well, you, then well, good luck. We all know what happens when <laughs> tank publicly. Um, ever since you brought up that that movie, I just looked. I just like googled it. And, like, I'm already laughing. Like, just looking at Will Ferrell, I'm already, like... Yeah, don't, okay, the poster. <laughs> don't you think, oh, my gosh, Blades of Glory. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I see exactly so what you're saying. I see fun. exactly what you're saying. Uh, it sounds like it's just going to be a fun movie. Could be bad, could be good, could be, like, too goofy, but, like, I'm I'm sold. We're, we're talking about this. Um, it sounds sounds perfect to me. So that pretty much brings us to the end. I do want to quickly uh, end off with what our movie clubbers thought of uh, the F word, also known as what if. Um, so in terms of our percentages, 4% said see it. Ouch. 91% said stream it. Oh, 5% said airplane it. And 0% said skip it. So there you go. Pretty much everybody said stream it. And I think that's pretty clear from like the fans who wrote in. Um, everyone pretty much said stream it. So it seems all like that the, is pretty common. All the promotion for this episode could be like, the F word. Just nice. Just nice. <laughs> just, just a nice film. Not going to bother anybody. This is going to be over nice. here being a film. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but we, yeah, we, we, it looks like we're going to have something really fun to talk about next week. There's also a couple other streaming-y things uh, coming up. Taylor, I'll talk to you about that more offline as we sort of plan out our next, uh, next couple of weeks. But that brings us to the end of the movie club. Canadian movie club. Over and done with. Um, movie club number two in the books. Thank you to everybody for taking part in it. Um, I was telling Taylor this and I couldn't believe it. Like after even the first week of the movie club, our numbers like more than doubled of the people signed up. We had, we had over a hundred people join us for this movie club this time. Love it. Yeah. Love right? to see it. Amazing. So I'm, I will definitely do this again. We'll plan that out kind of in the future. But as I said, we're pretty much out of time uh, for this week's episode. So go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.